talking about chicken a la king. Mango and garbanzo tabbouleh. Real potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil. Zucchini ziti. Granola fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Mm. Guys, it's an exciting one. Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, where I talk to amazing people with amazing minds, but all I care about is what is in their fridge and what a fridge it is today. He is an actor, an all-around extraordinary human being, and now a cookbook author. His new book is called Food with Friends, and I cannot wait to talk about it. You know him as Mitchell on Modern Family, but he is so much more to me. Please welcome Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Hello. Hello. Welcome, Jesse. It's so good to see you. It's been a long time. We met in New York years ago. Before Modern Family Times, and we loved our little coffee shop, Joe, that we used to go to. Yeah, I was trying to remember where we initially met. And I, I was certain it was Joe. And then I was like, no, that can't be right. But yeah, that's, you, you would like sit there and write. Yeah, that was, my, that was my office. It's so funny. I met you there and I met another really good friend of mine there. Nick Satone, who's a, a really great writer as well. It, there was something about the energy in there that just brought the Hemingway out of all of us. <laughs> exactly. So your fridge here is blowing me away. If you guys want to see Jesse's fridge, you can see it on my Instagram at StandUpDan. All right, Jesse, this is probably the best fridge of season four thus far. So congratulations. No. Yes. No. I'm telling you. And I told you guys, I, I tell everyone not to stage it, but this looks state. Did you not stage this? Don't lie to me. I, I didn't stage it. I had just, so I had just uh, gotten rid of a whole bunch of sh- like crap that was in there because I, you know, it's, it's tough to keep it clean during COVID. And my mother-in-law had left a whole bunch of stuff there that was like, you know, going back. So I did just take a lot of stuff out, but it's stuff that needed to come out anyways. Okay. Well, it's, I mean, if this is it pared down, I can't imagine what it's like when it's full to the brim because it looks very tastefully full right now. I like my fridge to be full, but I don't like it to be jam packed. Like you want to, if you buy something, you don't want to have to stress about where to put it. Yeah. So there's a couple exciting things here. Number one, loving the blue bottle iced coffee on the bottom row here, right next to the cannabis drink, which just just in and it's all the way at the bottom shelf. So it's in reach of, of children if they need to grab it. A lot of people are stocking up on this cannabis stuff, especially during pandemic is what I noticed for this season. It's really delicious, too. And it's, it's, it gives you the, the tiniest little it just takes the edge off. Just a little, it, it really doesn't get you very high. Yeah, I think the reason this is becoming in vogue is because pandemic hit and we all became alcoholics correct and then it was like i need an alternative to three quarters of a bottle of wine a night (laughs) so you have one can of this and you feel okay and it chills you out that's right now on your second row here i'm very curious about this cultured buttercream what's that about oh that's just buttermilk i think buttermilk okay what do you do with buttermilk well i don't use it a lot but my cooking partner julie who I, i wrote my cookbook with is from the South and she's, you know, uses it all the time. Uh, I was probably at that moment when I took the photo, I believe I was making either biscuits or I was doing like a buttermilk brined roasted chicken. Oh yeah. Samin Nostrat is into that too. I hear that's supposed to be amazing. I've never done it. Yeah, it's really, really good. We have a recipe in our book for buttermilk roast chicken on top of croutons. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's fun because then all the juices will get absorbed by the croutons. Yes, correct. I like that. Now, this I'm very excited about because I'm also a girl and Doug groupie. You know, I just discovered them. My husband actually ordered a whole bunch of stuff from them for me. And I was a bit overwhelmed at first because... There were so many unique uh, 
packages of produce that came that I honestly did not know what to do with them. And they give you sort of a guide card and, you know, explaining what kind of like what the flavor profile is. But, you know, after that, you're kind of on your own, as far as I know. They have such an interesting story. They they were supplying the best restaurants in California with food, like French Laundry and all this and all that. And then they just pivoted to these boxes that come out like every, you know, month or so. They had a Valentine's Day box that was great. And their produce is like the best stuff I've ever, ever seen in my life. It's crazy. It's insane. I just, I had a lot of these like really beautiful, tiny little radishes. And they were like white and pink and red and you know, just r- gorgeous. And yeah. um, I'm not a massive radish fan, but the one way I do love to eat them is with butter. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my friend Ellen Bennett from Heavily and Bennett Aprons had just given me this really delicious French butter. Uh, I, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but I just, uh, it's on my Instagram page. I, I posted a photo, but there's, uh, I, I sort of spread the butter on one part of the, the plate and just arranged the radishes around it. And it looked like the most high-end yeah. appetizer. <laughs> And it was just radishes and butter. Radish, butter, and some good salt. Oof, that is the best. Big fan of the girl and Doug. And then I think we'll go to, is there, well, I like the, you've got a bunch of these like cool, like, I don't know what to call them, like indie preserves maybe? Yeah, I think I got that at Erwan. There's an Erwan that opened up. Are you still in uh, the like Los Feliz Silver Lake area? I'm in West Hollywood. You are? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the Erwan opened up around here in, uh, in Silver Lake. And so I think I was, I actually think I was using um, that for a compound butter that I made. Oh, wow. And then there's definitely some homemade pimento green chili cheese in that little container. Oh, interesting. Pimento cheese. I've never... Is that is, is the recipe for that in the book? Yes. Yeah, we spread it on tortillas and then roll them up and then dice them. What is pimento cheese? It's What's the base? Like, what kind of cheese? It's just a sharp cheddar and um, and then you, you know, canned pimentos. Interesting. Yeah. If I'm ever at a supermarket and I need to get a good cheese, but it like the selection is not good, I feel like Cabot cheddar is always such a solid cheese that you can find at any supermarket. Absolutely, yeah. That's my that's my little hot tip there. <laughs> and then let's go to the freezer because the freezer is what it's like. Come for the fridge, stay for the freezer. Oh my god! I'm yeah. friends with I'm friends with the founder of Jenny's Ice Cream, and she has subscribed me to her like her like every every few months. She just sends a box of their newest flavors, and I'm not. I also was desperately trying to rein it in the past few weeks. Right. So, <laughs> you can't tell from this part of the fridge because it's just booze and ice cream. No, it doesn't look like it all. <laughs> it looks like you went on the fanciest bender ever. <laughs> Truly. But some of that ice cream actually might need to get tossed because I have I have a, a, a freezer in my garage as well. And there's more pints in there. So, um, oh, my God. Yeah, it's it, I'm over there. I'm. It's overflowing. I haven't I haven't gone down a deep dive of the Jenny's ice cream. Is it delicious? It is. Now, if you want just like your standard vanilla, it might not be your jam. But like she comes up with really interesting flavors. Uh, there was a um, everything bagel flavor that she came out with. Come on. That sounds awful. <laughs> that sounds awful. Was there garlic in it? I don't think there was garlic. Okay. There might have been. <laughs> but there's a, she does a, like a gooey... Um, a gooey cake, um, a gooey butter cake one. Okay, yeah, you should have opened with that one and then ease ease me into the everything bagel. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got uh, good booze. You got your kettle one. You got some. Is this Milagro tequilas? All good. What is this Dano's dumpling? This looks kind of exciting. Very, very, very interesting. So this is um, 
so in the pandemic, I don't know if you were doing the same thing, but I was ordering a lot of my produce and, and uh, pantry items from restaurants that were also selling, you know, through their provider to sort of keep them afloat. Yeah. And not that they really need it because they're probably one of the more fancy and famous restaurants in all of LA, but John and Vinny's was, had some really great stuff and they started um, selling these Dano dumplings and they're just frozen dumplings and they, you fry them in a pan and they, there's a sauce that comes with them and they're, 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 they're just absolutely delicious. So oh, wow. I have a few bags of those and you can get them, I think on the John and Vinny website. So I love that. And then what's this? Is this baby food? This yummy stuff? Yeah. 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 It's actually yeah, yummy baby food. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's yummy. That's the name of the, the brand. I, I <laughs> yeah. assume it's yummy. It better be with that name. I mean, or, although it does sound like they're covering up for really bad tasting baby food <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by naming it yummy. <laughs> <laughs> and then what's this stuff over here? That's frozen. Um, uh, that that's chilled uh, cookie dough. I don't remember Whoa. the brand. I wish I'd turn that out for you. Uh, but my, my friends, um, Jen Atkin and Mike Rosenthal, for the past year, have been just sending cookies to the house of all their friends. For the, you know, every few months we get a, a cookie delivery, and this past month they just sent frozen cookie dough. So wow, we're working for it this time. So my question for you is this, how do you stay, well, it's how do you stay skinny, but it's also like, there's something about the more famous you get, the more stuff you just get sent to you all the time. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at your level of fame, but it's this, this, this sort of a snowball of things being sent to the house is happening. And I'm starting to have a little bit of a tough time. It's very hard (laughs) to to not eat everything well you feel bad because it's you know the thing is i was really really trying like all of january i I really did no booze i uh i was trying to eat healthy and i was just getting you know a deep dish chicago style frozen pizza sent to the house from friends and uh cocktail kits and it's just you know you feel bad because i mean granted a lot of stuff can keep in the freezer until you know you're ready to go back being a glutton but you know in the meantime it's like the girl and doug produce is a perfect example like i i I, it's like a a challenge to use it all before it goes bad and it's such a beautiful produce you want to really honor it yeah it it honestly it sets you up for like basically a really tough homework assignment or like a a really difficult episode of chops where it's like you just have to like (laughs) figure it out before you know it goes bad it's like I have Jerusalem artichokes, and I have pimento cheese. I got to figure out something. <laughs> but also, how wonderful would it have been if, like, all this stuff came to us when we were, you know, struggling artists in New York? Like, no, you, once no. you're famous and you can afford it, they're going to send it to you for free. Exactly. Exactly. It makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. But I think that I mean, you seem to be. Here's what. Here's what. Here's what has been annoying me with this podcast is. I've met so many famous people who don't care about food and it just like, like the only reason I want to be famous is so that I can get amazing reservations to places and, and get like that extra dish. Like this is on us. This is for, cause we love you. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I feel like you probably take advantage of you. You do the right thing. You, well, I, I love to eat and I love to cook. Obviously I also wouldn't have written a cookbook, but, um, the, uh, 
the, the compliments of the chef dish is always, it, it's always a gamble too, because you go to those certain places and you think, oh, they're going to send out a lot of stuff. So you under order and then they right. don't send out anything. And then, or the, or the opposite happens. You know, you're trying to gauge, it's like this, like, I, ABC Kitchen in, in New York is always so good to me. Right. And I'm, it's like this weird, like, it's this weird, weird game of like dare. Like, we're like, are you, I'm gonna I'm gonna dare you to send it out, or you're gonna dare me to order I, I like you know dessert. But it's like the will they won't they? Like I'm looking at them like if I don't order dessert, is something coming? I'm trying to read their face because also I don't want to ask. I don't want to ask for anything for free. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that's always a gamble. It is a funny dance. Yeah. I uh, I did a, a play on Broadway uh, 2016 called Fully Committed about a, a restaurant reservationist at a very high end restaurant. And I play all the characters. Uh, I played the chef. I played the maitre d'. I played the customers who were calling in to, um, you know, make make reservations. And my research for that play was going to a lot of like five star or Michelin star restaurants in New York. Oh, oh, poor boy! What hard, what what difficult research you had to do? The most expensive research. The producers were like, "This is a terrible idea," because they had to pay for it. <laughs> um, but what my favorite part of the whole experience. Obviously, the food was amazing, but it was I got to go back to the reservation rooms and talk to the reservationists. So I got to like learn about you know the, the different codes that they have uh, for for certain people. You know, um, like if people are difficult to to handle, there's like a little code that goes next to their name. So when they call wow. in, maybe they don't get the treatment that they think that they're gonna get. And you know, but they also make notes about like the you know if you had celebrated an anniversary with them, and they're very thorough and. A lot of those people, I wouldn't say they're friends of mine, but now when I call, like we have like a rapport and like they they help me out with the table now and then. So that is definitely a perk. But, you know, I had to do a one man show on Broadway to get that perk. So it's like I really did. Yeah. That for it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's worth it. You're allowed to get a 730 reservation. My my friend is the reservations person for Carbone in New York City. That's a good one. That's very difficult to get into. Yeah. And she tells me she's like. There are some people that will just come by and just give her envelopes full of cash and just be like, hey, here you go. And it's like she's just making reservations, but it's wild. I'm I am on the Balthazar Pestis reservation line list. So that's my fancy claim to fame. <laughs> and it's funny because they like deny that it even exists. They're like, there's no there's no private reservations line. So what happened that you decided to write this cookbook? I feel like that is not an easy thing to do. No, not at all. I, I've always toyed with the idea of writing something. I didn't know if it was to be like a memoir or like a book of essays. Uh, but I had a, a, a blog with my friend Julie. You know, basically we just started cooking together and we housed our recipe. Like we'd photograph them and put them on, on Instagram and people would ask for the recipe. So we started a blog and that, that blog caught the attention of Clarkson Potter, um, really great publishing house. They do Anna Garten's books. They do um, Chrissy Teigen's books. And uh, basically approached me and Julie about, you know, writing a cookbook. And I feel like for me, I mean, I have such reverence for people who are chefs and are, are you know, really well-known home cooks. And um, I, uh, it, it took someone pushing me into the deep end to have the confidence to do this because I just, I, I, there's a bit of imposter syndrome. You know, I'm a, I'm someone who's known for my work on television and stage. And it's like, you know, are they going to roll my eyes when I appear on the cover of a cookbook? Right. But 
I think, you know, it comes from a very genuine place and it's, um, I'm, I'm a cook who has, is self-taught um, a bit. Um, my friend Julie went to culinary school and that's one of the reasons we really bonded. I, I sort of forced her to come to my house and, and give me, you know, free tutorials and like knife skills and, you know, uh, you know, flavor profiles. And she's, she's, um, passed along a lot of the knowledge that she got from culinary school onto me. And, um, it's, it, it just, the book is about like me kind of learning how to be a better cook and more ambitious cook in the kitchen through a good friend who knows how to do it already. So that's why we called it food between friends. And I like it. I like this type of cookbook because I feel like the majority of the cookbooks on the market are chefs who just want to like, just show you how fucking amazing they are. And like, you know, I dare you to try to make one thing in the French Laundry cookbook, <laughs> you know? That's a coffee table book. Yes. I, I, I also got, I, I love him, but Grant Atkins in, um, in Chicago, he just came out with an amazing cocktail book um, from the aviary. And it's so beautiful. And I just, I, I flipped through it. I was like, I don't know. Like it's, to, to prep the ingredients takes like four days. Yeah, if like, if you tried to make something from the Alinea cookbook, it would be like, okay, you need a hydrogen tank. Move to a, a, a house with a larger power grid is step number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that, so that's refreshing to have like a real, you know, let's say a classically trained chef and then an amateur cook going at it together because you know it's going to be accessible stuff. It's extremely accessible. I mean, we want people to really cook from the book. And, um, you know, I mean... The, the, I, they, I, I took a lot of inspirations from the cookbook I reach for the cookbooks I reach for a lot on, on my shelves. And, you know, they are like Padma Lakshmi, who's a, I know she was on your show and she has a really accessible, really flavorful cookbook. Um, Chrissy Teigen, I think did a really amazing job with, with her cookbook. And, you know, even though that they're celebrities, they, they really know what they're talking about in the kitchen. And, um, they proved, you know, themselves, I think, in the industry. Yeah. And by the way, Padma Lakshmi and you have that same thing in common of like, they're, they they don't know how much free food to prepare for. She doesn't know, like when she goes to a restaurant, like she, people go nuts when she goes to a restaurant. And it's just like, I, we, uh, we had, we've had many dinners together. She's a, a very good friend of mine. And one time when she was in LA, we went to Twamac or yeah, Twamac, uh, which is Chef Ludo's um, very, very intimate tiny dining experience that he has and you have to like you know know someone to get a, a table there and Padma obviously knew the right person and um <laughs> they sent out a lot of stuff and you know you could tell that the, the kitchen staff was really excited that she was there and she picked up on that and as we were leaving she just she just said does anyone want a photo does anyone want a photo with me and of course they all did and but I just thought it was so funny that she offered first like she sensed that they wanted one, but were afraid to ask. And so she broke the ice. <laughs> That's awesome. She's a delightful person. And her cookbook is is amazing. Are you are you seeing that? Like, what are you seeing? Who are the, who's the main demographic going for the book? Um, it's hard. I mean, it's been out for what? Two weeks now, almost two weeks. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. How, how do you find out that information? I, uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> should, we call, should we call Clarkson Potter right now? I feel like, you know, a lot of the people who love Modern Family are obviously buying it. But um, I'm really excited that some friends of mine who I didn't send the book to that are, you know, culinary people are are cooking from it and liking it. Um, so that means a lot to me. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that it's just a lot of people who love to cook delicious meals at home, but, you know, don't want to spend 
hours and hours and hours preparing things. You know, they want dinner to come together in an hour or so. And, um, you know, I think at least that's what I'm, that's sort of what I'm seeing from the people who are reposting, buying the book on my Instagram. It's, it's really, you know, it runs the gamut, but it's, yeah. it, it all seems like very, it, they all seem like accessible civilians. Is recipe testing the best thing or the worst thing? Are you just constantly filling up the kitchen with food that's not going to be used? Or, I mean, wh- I, I could see that being a double-edged sword. It, yeah, it, it's definitely, um, it's time-consuming and costly because, you know, I'm going to say like 60% of the time things don't work out perfectly and you have to try right. again. So it's like, you know, you're buying ingredients multiple times and the, the, the recipe testing process is really, it's, it's rough. It's hard. Yeah. Um, fortunately, you know, I was able to do it with a good friend of mine um, who ha- has developed recipes before. So, you know, it, it wasn't totally the blind leading the blind. Neither one of us had written a book before, but she at least kind of knew what she was doing in that department. So, uh, and then you, on top of that, have to hire people to double test or triple test your recipes um, to make sure that they actually work and that the instructions are clear. So, you know, that's another, uh, you know, costly part of, the, of creating a book. Well, that's, yeah, I guess that's part of a, the joy of a cookbook is that you waste the ingredients so that we don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse's chicken recipe calls for marinating the chicken in buttermilk, which begs the question, what the fuck is buttermilk? Long story short, it's fermented milk. Anyone else horny? It's a byproduct of making butter, and due to its high acidity, it staves off bacteria and has a much longer shelf life out of the fridge. The acidity also helps tenderize meats, which is why it's so great as a marinade. So go out and get yourself some fermented milk. All right, back to Jesse. All right, we're up to the part of the show where I ask you the same questions I ask every guest. The first question is, what is your earliest food memory? I remember, um, I mean, I was raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, and my mom would make green chili chicken enchiladas, but her recipe, she would pour a can of cream of mushroom soup over the casserole when she was done with it, and that was, that would sort of absorb down into the tortillas. It, it was delicious. Not a bad move. It sounds like a decent move. I think, yeah, a lot of casseroles in the 80s had canned soups involved. Yeah, that was the garnish, was a canned soup. (laughs) Okay, what is your death row meal? Probably green chili chicken enchiladas, actually. Nice, nice. What is the best high-end meal that you've ever eaten? Oh, man. Um, Gosh, I I mean, we... we, French laundry, probably. Uh, Yeah. I was able to... I've been able to go up there a few times and, and have really... It's just such a special experience. They really make it worth your time and money it's it's not by any stretch of the imagination the cheapest place to go so they really want to make sure that they're giving you an an experience and um that's probably it was somewhere i always dreamed of going and it it definitely lived up to expectations yeah i think that so that's thomas keller's restaurant in northern california and it definitely it you have such high expectations going in like this better be the most beautiful setting i've ever seen and it kind of is like it's like nestled in this little area across the street from the farm where they grow the stuff that you're eating. And it's just like the most romantic. And the kitchen is this big open kitchen with like huge windows. And these like worker bee chefs are just like looking so precise and careful. And I don't know. There's something really special about that place. It's it's performance art. I mean, Alenia was yeah. the same way when I got to go in Chicago, which was one of my dreams to go there as well. 
that's a, probably a very close second just for the the product for the production of it all and the, the theatrics of it yeah I bet. I haven't been to Alinea, but I i mean, that's number one on the bucket list. Yeah, for sure. Switching gears, what is the best low-end meal you have ever had? I, I've had uh, my friend Sarah Carey, uh, who works alongside Mar- Martha Stewart, she ordered, well, it's, it's a little low, low and high. And she made chicken fingers, but then paired it with caviar and champagne. Whoa. Delicious. That sounds amazing. Yeah. That's 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 fantastic. Um, I recreated it for my anniversary this year because we were, you know, in lockdown. So I asked Justin what he wanted me to make him. He's like, I want chicken fingers and caviar. So I did my version of it too. I love that. What is your favorite drunk food? Pizza. Pizza? Yeah. Usually my, my when I think back, I mean, if you, I don't get drunk as much as I used to in, when I was living in New York because you just walk everywhere, hop in the subway and you know, I, 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 you know, you have to drive here in LA. I just, I just always remember New York going out and then like stumbling into Joe's pizza and at like three in the morning and so good. New York is so much more amenable to regular, just alcoholic drinking. And like, and then we come to LA and you know, it's like, oh, well I have to wake up for my hike. And then I have my, exactly. <laughs> but whenever I go back to New York, there's like a four day period of like, just my, my body needs to transition into the drinking. And it's just like, <laughs> It's an awful, awful like adjustment period that needs to happen. And also, just because the bars stay open till four doesn't mean we need to be there till four. We have to keep reminding ourselves that. <laughs> oh, but it does. Oh, but it does. Do you have a, a hangover uh, cure, a perfect hangover cure? I do not, and I would love to get it from someone else if they have one. I mean, I usually do Alka Seltzer. Alka Seltzer. Is there? A, but is there like is there like a hangover meal that you go for when you're hungover? Are you like a greasy person? Or are you like a non? I, I would do like a hamburger. Like a breakfast hamburger. Like with an egg on top? Or the rest of the pizza that I that I had from the night before when I was <laughs> right. drunk. The shameful leftovers. Yes. Who is your favorite celebrity food personality besides yourself? You're in that category now. Uh, it could be a chef. It could be a host. It could be a wh- whomever. I mean, I really enjoy Padma a lot. She's just... She, I think she's so smart and so funny. She's... She's one of those people that says things and she's, she doesn't mean it to be funny, but it is like once she was, I was sitting at lunch with her and she was, her daughter's name is Krishna. And she was talking about Krishna's first rave in Iceland. And I was like, wait a minute, I have to address a few of these things. First of all, Iceland, so let's start there. But Krishna's first rave. So there was, a, there was another one after it. <laughs> like they went to like the ice but the, the lights in Iceland when they're like the, the, the sky goes crazy. Northern and lights. Some yeah. sort of like a thank you. And there was some sort of a music festival that I guess Padma was calling a rave, and Krishna went with her. And I was like, Krishna's gone to more than one of these in Iceland. And I just I could not stop making fun of Padma for saying it. And she just the minute she hears someone else say it, she's like, Oh yeah, that is pretty ridiculous. And she just starts laughing at herself. And that's one of the reasons I love her so much. She's super underrated funny. Like she's got like like she's got comedy chops. Like her timing and her like kind of deadpanness. So deadpan. It's so good. Yeah. I kind of hate I hate when beautiful people are good at comedy. It's like <laughs> that's this is our stop stop you know stepping on our turf. This is what we do. At our wedding um we were really thinking about the food a lot and Padden was at the wedding and I made the mistake of asking her what she thought of the food and like you know, it's typical. You're feeding 300 people or however many people. And um, she like went into like top chef mode and she's like, 
the proteins were delicious, but the sides were dry. I was like, <laughs> well, I was like, Jesus, I didn't really want to know. I was sort of just making small talk. Oh my God. Pack your knives and go. <laughs> Pack your knives and go. <laughs> what is your desert island food? So you're on a desert island. There's one food you can eat for the rest of your life. You will never, ever get tired of it. What is it? Sushi, I guess. That's not bad. That's a uh, that's a good desert island food. I'm thinking because I'm right near the ocean, it's like gonna be wildly fresh. You're taking it a little too literally. We can fly things into the island that are very fresh from anywhere over the world. Fine, katsuya sushi. Okay, <laughs> deal. Is there a food that you cannot stand eating? Uh, I really don't like organ meats, sweetbreads. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. Hold on. Is there a way that I can convince you? I've tried some really delicious versions of them. Yeah. In Paris, I went to Clown Bar in Paris and they had... Oh, did you have the veal brain? I did. And it was actually very good. <laughs> yeah. It was almost like matzo ball soup. Um, yeah. But it was just the visual of it. Like they didn't try and... No, it's a it's a little bowl that has a brain in it that looks like a brain. Like the two hemispheres are still connected. And there's like a little broth in there as well. And it's um, delicious. Truly delicious. But I mean, so I do try it. It's just, it's a... Rough for me. That's a tough, that's a tough like brain though. Like most other cultures, they take brain and they like deep fry it. That one is just like, hey, we just plucked this out of the animal's head. (laughs) I mean, they surely did more than that. But like, (laughs) (laughs) but it is like, well, maybe that's my next cookbook, just different ways to prepare brain. (laughs) Yes. It will not be a bestseller. There was another thing at Clown Bar, I remember, where it was like a pigeon dish and like they leave the like the talons on and the talons are just facing you (laughs) like these crumpled talons we shot an episode of modern family in paris and my character goes off and like has a day in paris by himself and tries to pass his french and goes to a cafe and orders the pigeon not knowing what it is and it comes and he has to like try and eat it and freaks out and comedy (laughs) ensues oh it sounds like it i love it final question this is my favorite question which is, what is your restaurant pet peeve? Oh, there's a few. Yes, here we go. <laughs> um, I hate when they come to the table with the food and it's like an auction and they just announce what the plate is and you, if you're with a group of people, you have to like claim it. And sometimes you're trying to help, like say, oh, it's over there. But they think they're, they, the server thinks, oh, it's yours. So then they come to you and you're like, no, no, no. He had like... He, so I, I, I get way too involved in like making sure everyone's plate goes to the right places and it just causes chaos. I also hate when a, there, you have a very full table because we've ordered too much or, or whatever, you know, the table's too small and they sort of hover the plate over and they just say like, like, I'm coming in and you have to do this like mad scramble, like clearing space for the plate to land. Right. That really bothers me. Right. You're like, you're playing, you're playing air traffic control and have to like... <laughs> Get ready for the landing. Usually this happens like at a Sunday brunch. You know, we're not talking that this doesn't happen at like the, you know, fancy, fancy yeah. restaurants. Um, so those are those are two of my big restaurant complaints. Those are very good. Do you find that when you are recognized, you get better service, worse service? Is it more annoying because they want to be like super duper nice or what, what happens there? It's either way too... No, that's not true. I either get very good service or like too attentive, but then occasionally, and this has happened a few times, I actually complained, where they like basically abandon me because they they think I want to be left alone. Ah. Um, I can't remember, I do remember the name, I do remember the restaurant, but I'm not going to name it because I actually do 
Love the chef. <laughs> oh, bummer. I had to complain to management um, because it's like, we, we, no one attended to us. Like they were at that table, you know, uh, all the tables around us, but no one ever came in and uh, asked us how our meal was. They, you know, we, we were trying to get the check and no one was like making eye contact with us. And the, the general manager's response was, well, we just assumed you wanted to be left alone. I was like, what, what gives you that idea? <laughs> I'm out at a restaurant. <laughs> I'm a pretty friendly person. Like, I just, anyway. You are, you don't give off the vibe of a leave me alone celebrity. No. Yes. Anyone who's listening to this, if you see Jesse, run up right to him and just like hug him. He loves it. <laughs> uh, that's too far. That's too far. Um, awesome. Jesse, uh, tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find the book, all the, th- all the things. So uh, you can find me on Instagram at Jesse Tyler. Uh, just my husband set up a TikTok. Um, oh I don't know the name of it because <laughs> it's not on my phone. He does it all. Like I, he'll like record me doing something and then post it. And like the next day, he's like, "Oh, you went viral on TikTok yesterday." I was like, "Oh, Jesus!" You're like, "I was popping a zit, dude. Don't <laughs> put that on blast." Uh, but uh, food between friends is available wherever books are sold. Um, you can go to julianjessicook.com. And there's like a lot of our blog recipes from the old days up there and also links to where you can buy the books. I always encourage people to, to obviously buy books at their local bookshops right now. So, or order awesome. them from local bookshops. So guys get the cookbook. It's really great. I've, I've leafed through it and I love how accessible it is. Cause my, my pet peeve is again, it's one of my favorite cookbooks, but like any of, of like Yotam Odalengi's cookbooks, like the Jerusalem cookbook, you need like a pantry the size of a football stadium to make a salad. <laughs> and it's just a little much. Very true. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jesse. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. So good to see you. This episode of Green Eggs and Dan was produced by Andrew Steven and edited by Jordan Aaron. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. You can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music is Beautiful Food by Idan, and the interstitial music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's really important to us, guys. Please do it. If you want more Green Eggs and Dan action, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at StandUpDan. Also, we have a YouTube page where you can actually see me and my guests going through their fridge in addition to other videos. Just type in Green Eggs and Dan in YouTube. Like and subscribe, please. We need a lot of subscribers on that page. You will really enjoy it. It's a very fun element of the show. A Sonic Universe. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.